0: Today, we have Mr. Jean Charest joining the Canadian Taxpayer Podcast. Mr. Charest is running to be the next leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. Mr. Charest, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you, Franco.
0: All right, let's get right into it. So, if you were to become Prime Minister, what would you do about the federal carbon tax?
1: I would axe the carbon tax of Mr. Trudeau. It's a consumer tax, and even the commissioner from the environment has come out to say it hurts rural Canadians and small and medium-sized businesses. The approach we should take to the whole issue of the environment, and and that part of it, climate, is should be comprehensive. It should include dealing with carbon capture and storage, which we should make a, a lead technology that we could develop and export to the rest of the world. Hydrogen, either blue or green. Biofuels. Uh, nuclear. Nuclear. Uh, I'm a believer in nuclear, and in particular, this small modular reactor project that four provinces—Saskatchewan, Alberta, Ontario, and New Brunswick—are developing together, and which would be extraordinary as a technology to use, for example, at Fort McMurray, and uh, and for that part of the industry that already uses 30 percent of the uh, of the gas that Canada produces. So there is a good connection in terms of what we should be doing, and I would. Steal a page out of the book of Alberta. Alberta puts a levy on large emitters. I think that's the most effective thing to do, and the one that makes the more sense because they are the ones best able to reduce uh, carbon emissions and to do it in a scientific and economic and smart way. And 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 if we're going to reach zero emissions by 2050, which everyone agrees on, by the way, I imagine even you at the Taxpayers Federation agree on that. Well, then we need to. Transition, and in the transition, we should, you know, even look at what Europe is doing. Europe in the transition, and they were big. This was before Ukraine, uh, the war in Ukraine, and after Glasgow, put out a policy proposing that they use natural gas and nuclear in the transition to net zero uh, by 2050. So, so we can be smart about it. And I'll just close with one word. I mean, this isn't as though conservatives haven't faced these challenges before. I was part of a government that did the uh, the Montreal Protocol on CFCs and HCFCs for the ozone layer, most successful environmental treaty in the world. And the other probably right up there that ranks right up with there is the Clean Air Act of 1990 with the Bush administration and the Mulroney government. And uh, I was much closer to that. One of the most successful environmental treaties also in the world, economically smart, that actually got the job done. So that's the, that'll be the conservative approach that my government would take.
0: So, Mr. Shray, I just want to get one clarifier in there. So you would replace the Trudeau consumer carbon tax, which, of course, is really harming Canadians at the pumps. And I heard industrial carbon levy. I obviously hear tax when you say that. Um, are you worried that that also might raise costs for Canadians?
1: Well, it's going to be a choice of industry. Industry, you know, will determine how much they need to absorb it. But you know, Franco, let's take a step back. What does what is industry telling us? What are they telling us? What is the what are the biggest producers in Alberta telling you? They are saying that this is the approach they prefer. That's what they're saying. Well, I actually think if they, they're they the ones producing the energy and sell it in a world market, then I, I think I would tend to listen to what they're saying.
0: So one other concern that we have is is the upcoming second carbon tax from the Trudeau government. They're bearing it within fuel regulations. We know that BC has had a similar type of fuel regulations in place for some time, which raises the price of gas by about 16 cents per liter. Would you oppose a form of second carbon tax?
1: I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't see what the federal government wants to accomplish by doing that. I think we should stick to the levy on large emitters, and I, I, I have difficulty seeing how they're going to do something else that would be as effective. I mean, they're just going to be layering taxes over taxes, so I'm very skeptical about that.
0: Well, we are, we are very happy to hear that you are against that second carbon tax. Let's move on, because I know you are very busy. You're on the campaign trail. You're talking to Canadians. One of the things that we hear is the rising cost of living. So what do you think is causing inflation, and what would you do to make life a little bit more affordable for Canadians?
1: Well, one thing that we need to do is control spending. Spending does feed into higher inflation. Uh, the federal government has spent a lot of money during COVID, a lot of that had to be spent. I mean, it's not as though, you know, a uh, conservative is saying that they we, we should not have stepped up to support uh, businesses and, and Canadians, including small businesses. But frankly, we're one of the countries in the world that has spent the most on a per capita basis. We're certainly among the top three. And I'm very disappointed in the last budget that there was no effort to anchor our public finances into objectives that would bring down spending control it, and allow us to clean up the balance sheet. That's what I did when I was in uh, at Premier. You know, I'm very proud of my record because it's a very clear record of cleaning up public finances. You know, when the Legault government took over four years ago, this is after 15 years of government, Mr. Cuiar did the last part, Franco, He was left with an $8 billion surplus, $8 billion dollars. You're not going to see that again in your lifetime. The credit rating in Quebec is higher than Ontario. And that's 15 years of discipline to get there. Now, what I did when I was in office is that I made sure that program spending was always below nominal growth. And then it becomes virtuous and allows you to create fiscal space and to reduce the size of the debt and uh, and control spending. So back to inflation, that's what we need to do. The second thing I did during the Great Recession was reduce personal income taxes, which are very high in Canada. And I, I think that's something that uh, we need to look at very seriously if we're going to give people an opportunity to increase their disposable income.
0: Let's dive a little bit further into the budget. So $1 trillion of debt, huge issue. Deficits as far as the eye can see. If you were prime minister, how long would it take your government to balance the budget?
1: Well, no one, I think, you in this environment is going to tie it to a, a definite timeline because we just don't know how the economy and the world economy is going to perform. You know, and I've been there, so let's you know let's be uh, realistic about this. We don't we don't know whether we're going to walk ourselves into a recession or not. We have a war in Ukraine that no one had on their radar screen a year ago, Franco. And so, but I would my approach is to be uh, to use something that in politics is very undervalued: discipline. As I mentioned a moment ago, program spending below nominal growth allows you to create a virtuous circle that allows you to reduce the size of the debt and and to control spending. One thing I'd like to do, though, I'd like to explore is what I also did by creating something called the generational fund in Quebec to reduce the size of debt. The Fonds des Générations still exists today. The credit rating agencies loved it. And what we did was pretty simple. We took re- revenue from non-renewable resources, water rights and mining uh, royalties, and put it into a fund to reduce the size of the debt. It allowed us to connect the dots in the taxpayer's mind between what's being paid And what goes to reduce the debt? The credit rating agencies loved it. They thought it was good. And actually, it's been a huge success. There's $16 billion in that fund today. And every government after mine continued. I implemented that in 2006. Now, let's project ourselves into the future. We could very well do a generation and a COVID reduction fund to deal with the overhang of COVID debt, exceptional debt, to reduce that debt. And in the mind of Canadians, make it very clear that A stream of revenue is going to be dedicated to addressing that debt during our lifetime, as opposed to just passing it on to the next generation of Canadians. That, for me, is the kind of smart economic thing that we should do or could do that would have real impact and real results.
0: Let's talk just a little bit more about relief. So, During the pandemic, we've seen payroll taxes up, booze taxes up, the carbon tax also up. Now, I think Canadians are paying too much tax and need relief. So the question is, what type of tax relief would you provide Canadians?
1: I agree that we pay too much. And when I left office, by the way, we had reduced the overall tax burden of uh, the people in Quebec by a billion dollars a year. During the financial, during the Great Recession, again, the credit rating agencies gave us high points for reducing personal income taxes, which allowed us in Quebec, to have a better economic performance than the rest of Canada, Ontario, the United States, and Europe. Why? Because we reduce personal income taxes, increase personal disposable income. And I think personal income tax is the place where I would start because that is probably the number one job killer. And, uh, and I, I really, really am a believer in that. As I mentioned, when I left office, we had reduced the overall tax burden by a billion dollars a year. And uh, Canadians are. The other thing, Franco, well, you and I know, and everyone who's on this call listening knows, that we can't just pretend we don't live next to the United States, can we? I mean, the number one economic business, our partner, uh, they're right next door. It's a great neighbourhood to live in. But uh, anyone who thinks that we can formulate tax policy as though we didn't have a neighbor who had a very competitive environment is really singing in the dark, you know, they're really whistling in the dark. We have to we have to be very cognizant of that environment if we want to remain competitive.
0: So on this tax side, one thing that we hear that's so much concern is worried about a home equity tax. Of course, we don't have a home equity tax right now in Canada, but the Canada Revenue Agency, when you sell your home, you have to report the sale of your home to the CRA. We think that is a dangerous step towards a home equity tax. So, would you remove that reporting requirement?
1: The answer is yes. Very but good. I, Let's, that's I,
0: music. That's music to our ears.
1: Well, I, uh, you know, and I, Canadians have a reason to be worried that the, this Liberal government would look at uh, home equity as being a target. I think they, they have reasons to uh, to be concerned about that. And uh, this looks like laying the groundwork, doesn't it? And uh, we don't need to. Do we need to do this? The answer is no. You know, there's plenty of work to do, by the way, for government. You, you I don't know why we'd have people running around looking for things that we don't need to do to actually impose on Canadians. So the answer is definitely yes, I would do away with it.
0: Very good. Now I know you're very very busy, so just one last question. You've been in public life for for quite some time now. So what is one accomplishment that you're most proud of and what is one thing that you still want to accomplish before you step away from political office?
1: One of the things I'm certainly there's a you know there's always a number of things. But I'm very proud of my economic accomplishments as premier. I think uh, that is very significant. And that speaks to resilience. It speaks to discipline and the ability to actually get things done. And a lower tax burden, lower, smaller uh, bureaucracy, higher disposable income and a reduction in poverty is, is the outcome of my tenure as premier. And those are facts. Those are hard facts. The other thing, Franco, is the unity of the country. And uh, I'm proud of my contribution and my role and above everything else, you know, the job of a prime minister is to keep the country united. We're very badly divided today. I'm in this race in good part because of that. And if we don't address this issue of the West and East and urban, and if we don't address this issue, we're going to be we're in trouble and we should never, ever take our country for granted. And I offer leadership that has that experience and that seasoned experience that would allow us to get things uh, uh, back on track and make the country work. I think it'd be a breath of fresh air in in Ottawa to have a prime minister who's been a premier, who's actually run a government and uh, has a a track record, which is, uh, I'm the only candidate in this race that offers that. So I'm very, very proud of that.
0: Mr. Charest, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you very much, Frank. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, President of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favour and do them a favour and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.